Hi, this is Bron Burton and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. Good morning. It's two minutes past nine. You're tuned to 102.73 Triple R. You might be listening via rrr.org.au. This is Radio Marinara. We are the program about all things wet and salty. Good morning to you. My name is Bron Burton. In studio? Uh, the Cabin Boy is back. Yes. Hi, Cabin Boy. Good morning. And joining us by Skype? Hi, Bron. Hey, fam. How you doing? <laughs> I do like you doing it from uh, from home, also eating breakfast, which is uh, a bit of a luxury there. Yeah, look, try not to chew while I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> There's a crumb on your chin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, look. Welcome to Sunday. Welcome uh, to Radio Marinara. Welcome to Triple R if you've just turned on your radio. And before we get into our program, many thanks to Tim Thorpe for uh, six hours of Idle Bits this weekend, three hours this morning, and to also to Andrew for Soulful Bits and Steph for things to do today. You can catch Tim next weekend uh, for more Vital Bits on, uh, on Saturday and Sunday morning. We have a big program lined up uh, for you. Um, all kinds of different things, and uh, we will be talking a little bit about um, about our, our whole new world. Well, I have been away in the bush camping. Got up five thirty to get here. I've got no idea what's going on. Really? Yeah, completely. Are you aware that we have a change of government, Brett? I did hear that, <laughs> but I don't know any other details. I tuned. I was waiting for Tim to tell me on the drive home, but <laughs> not a thing about any political th- objects whatsoever. There are a few few little clues. Yeah, in, well, in his music selection this morning. That is true, but I, I was on cruise control getting here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a little crusty myself this morning, but um, anyway, let's let's talk about our lineup first. Uh, Cabin boy, you're kicking us off. I am. I'm going to follow up on the. Um, well, the the oligarchs from Russia and their yachts get being seized. I've got a few, little bit more information about that, and then we're going to go to the uh, to the west and the democracy side and uh, talk about a few celebrity sailors that may surprise you. Oh, fascinating. All right, looking forward to talking about that very soon. We're going to cross down to the surf coast as well. If you listened to our program last week, you might remember we spoke with Katie Griffin from A Cleaner Coast. Uh, they are a community-based organisation that uh, round up the troops and do some fantastic clean-up work. So today they're doing exactly that on three beaches down on the surf coast. So we're going to cross to Katie. She's on site. She's ready to go. She's got. She's all, um, you know, gloved up and got her bags and, and uh, ready to, to go and, you know, ideally not pick up much rubbish at all, but I guess that's not going to be the case so we'll speak with her about that then farm we've got a very special guest joining us from across the tad no not across the tasman cross bass strait yes exactly we'll be joined today by matt testoni who's an underwater photographer and also the host of one of my favorite podcasts which is called sea creatures uh, and we will he will be joining us from tasmania to talk about the podcast and uh, enlighten us a little bit about the great southern reef as well yeah really great podcast he interviews all kinds of different people and talks to them about their favorite marine creature and it's i've listened to a couple of them they're really great yeah, it's super fun. It's it's this really casual chat and, you know, the people that he invites, you can just hear the enthusiasm and the love for the ocean um, once they get to talk about their favorite marine creature, which actually is also a really good icebreaker. If you ever find yourself in a work situation and, you know, you're in a, in a room with a bunch of people that you don't know, you want to break the ice, just ask them about their favorite 
ocean creature. Yeah. And I, it's, it's great. Yeah, fascinating. And then we'll be speaking with Jeff Maynard. Uh, well, we'll be joined by Jeff Maynard. He's joining us in studio to continue his exploration of the history of diving as told by James Bond. So this is, this is his theme for 2022. And this month, it's medieval diving bells. Oh, fascinating. Um, as told by Pierce Brosnan in Die Another Day. Ah. Well, not told, demonstrated, I guess. I'm not up with my Bond movies. I might have to, <laughs> yes. Well, you'll be up with one of them. Yeah, in the diving bell. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's have a quick look at today's weather forecast. Uh, Farm, do you have it there? I do. This is your weather girl thumb here this morning on <laughs> Sunday the 22nd of May. Uh, we've got a top of 14 degrees in Melbourne today and it's actually going to be quite sunny, especially in the afternoon. We've got some light winds and areas of morning fog around the place and really um, much the same for the start of the week with sunny days and even frosty mornings on the outer and suburbs as well until about Thursday, Friday when we are expecting some rain. Um, so yeah, if you want to go for a snorkel, the start of the week would probably be a really good one because things will be very clear uh tides for today at the port phillip heads the low tide is going to be at 9 56 a.m today the next high will be at 506 p.m and if you're going to go for a snorkel north in the bay bomoris next low tide will be at 1 30 p.m and the next high at 8 15 p.m today wonderful thank you farm uh, a couple of quick news items. Um, of course, the big news item of the day. If uh, if you wanted to just avoid it all last night, uh, I didn't. <laughs> no, yeah. I did. Yes, I I, I, uh, I I gathered with some friends, um, uh, many of whom are associated with this wonderful station, and and watched it all unfold. And uh, if you if you're just waking up and wondered what happened, we have a change of government. Uh, there was a concession made by Scott Morrison um, no. late. <laughs> <laughs> Narrative he didn't concede. Con- <laughs> Sent in the studio already. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, Anthony Albanese has uh, stood up and uh, in- declared his intentions uh, as he will govern this nation as uh, the 31st Prime Minister. Under whether it's a, a majority or a, uh, a minority government is still to be determined. At least it was at 1.30 when I went to bed last night. Okay. So, yes. It may be a bit messy with some of the independents and all that, it won't it? So, yeah, it'll be uh, eager been- to see. I won massively, actually, the independents. They stole a lot of seats away from the more moderate liberals, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was it was a very interesting <laughs> evening. Anyway, just um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Anthony had a look at the potential um, platform policies of, uh, of the major parties running and um, it, it didn't look great for the marine environment. Um, picked up a media release sent through by Elizabeth McCarthy. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, from the Australian Marine Conservation Foundation and, uh, sorry, Australian Marine Conservation Society. And uh, this one came through um, just over a week ago and it was actually looking at how they were going to respond to an, an incoming Labor government. Mm-hmm. So the headline here is Marine Conservationists Welcome Labor's Commitment to Tackling Threats to Our Reef and Environment. Labor's announcement that if elected, it will invest $1.2 billion in projects that will tackle threats to the Great Barrier Reef, provide additional funds for endangered wildlife is welcome, the Australian Marine Conservation Society says. Uh, also welcoming Labor's pledge reported in media that will establish a national threatened species program and respond to an independent review of the national environment laws if elected on 21st of May, which, uh, yes, I know Nerida technically hasn't happened, but let's assume that it has. <laughs> no, no, no. My comment was that Scott Morrison didn't concede yeah. anything. I'm not saying that we don't have a change of government. I'm saying Scott Morrison did not concede anything. Josh Frydenberg didn't either. 
<laughs> arrogant man. Anyway, let's we'll move on and, and embrace these great changes that are about to happen. And um, the announcement includes upfront funding of $194.5 million over the next three years dedicated to reef protection programs to help support the resilience of our reef as it suffers from repeated heat waves uh, and so much more, of course, uh, driven primarily by the burning of fossil fuels. So lots and lots and lots of stuff to unpack. You know, where is this all money all going to go? How is it going to be used? Um, we hope for change, of course, because again and again and again over the 20 odd years of running this program, we've seen this money be allocated and disappear in sitting fees amongst other things. So yes, let's let's uh, keep a very close watch on this one. But at least we're off to a good start. Yes, we are. I am very happy this morning. And I, I must admit, when I uh, looked at my phone and saw the news, I, I, I did have a little cry. <laughs> <laughs> Was there a little happy dance? Not just because I, I had one too many last night. Just <laughs> happy, happy tears, happy tears. You, you and me both, Farm. <laughs> um, do you, do you, yes, a collective sigh of relief, absolutely, Nerida. Um, farm, did you have a, a quick bit of news there? I did. Well, um, it's 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 not exactly news. It's just one of those really wacky stories that you sometimes just come across your feed in social media. And this one, in this case, it was actually a meme um, that basically had a picture of a, a shark underwater biting a cable. And it said, the global Internet is being attacked by sharks. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, wait, what? Um, so I dove into a Google hole and, um, yeah, did some research. And it is actually true. Uh, so, you know, the, the Internet is, is connected. You know, all the continents are connected by, by massive, massive cables that run the entire length of our oceans uh, from continent to continent, which in itself is mind-blowing. Um, but since we put those cables down across the bottom of the ocean to connect the continents, They've also had to deal with them occasionally taking damage, and usually that's from ship hulls or anchors, and they get broken by undersea earthquakes and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was like, well, why would a shark want to bite out of an internet cable? Uh, it doesn't look like fish, obviously, and it's certainly not moving. Um, but they've worked out that um, shark bites actually were an enormous problem about 10 years ago, and it kept you know, ruining the cables. Now, we know that sharks are really good at smelling electricity. Mm -hmm. They have these, uh, there are sensory pores in their face that are called the ampullae of Lorenzini. Mm. And they are pores that are capable of sensing electrical currents in the environment around them. And so in the pores, they've got, they've got very, very dense collagen jelly. And that jelly is really conductive and it transmits electrical currents from the water into their layer of sensory cells. And with those receptors that are there, they can sense electrical signals as low as one millionth of a volt. Wow. So we actually have no idea how sharks actually experience the world because they have this incredible sensory organ. And so they, there are some theories, of course, that one of them, that they use that for hunting because when a, whenever a creature contracts a muscle, <clears throat> excuse uh -huh. me, it generates a brief and weak electrical field. And so in seawater... You know these signals can carry and can use by shark can be used by sharks as a way to detect prey. And another one is that they can navigate by sensing the Earth's magnetic field through the electric currents induced by the movement, <coughs> excuse me, of the ocean. And so about ten years ago, Google had to start reinforcing their cables because they switched to fiber optics. They never had this issue with uh, the old cables, which were made of copper. 
But apparently fiber optics just really ping some electricity into the water and sharks kept biting them. So they had to reinforce them with Kevlar <laughs> to prevent the shark bites from um, yeah, downing the internet. So now all the cables are reinforced against shark bites specifically. Apparently, if you send $2,000, they'll stop biting the uh, cables. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering if this is the reason why my NBN is so cracked. <laughs> Sharks are at it again. So, yeah, I thought that was a really wacky story, but it's true. Wow. Every time my internet goes down, I'm going to be wondering if there's some shark under under the sea. Right. Having a bit of a having a bit of a nibble, Nerida. Wouldn't you be kind of angry if you just it's like massive sensory overload all the time? It's if like you're you know a they're shark. talking. Yeah. They're t- well, just anybody <laughs> oh, really, yeah. anybody, anything like. But that's the internet. But the, no, no, no. <laughs> but I'm saying it's. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's also a way that they can switch it off. Yeah. No, they can't. Oh, but, yeah. you know, they if can't. it makes you feel better, they um, actually, it's it's not like a, the shark bites that are being done in the cable are quite, they're more like testing bites. So sharks get really curious. And yeah, so right. they're doing like a test. It's not like every shark thinks that the cable is a prey, thankfully, because that would be really disrupting. Yep. Um, but they're more like test bites, but apparently enough to, uh, to do some damage. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks, farm. <laughs> really interesting piece of uh, information and research there. Cabin Boy. Yes. Over yes, to you. Yes. Well, um, we spoke about that there's about $3 billion worth of super yachts, Russian super yachts circling the globe uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I thought I'd just give you a little update because um, it's mainly the US government, I think, are arresting these boats in um, port. And uh, there's been one just recently arrested in Fiji. It's um. Armadea, it's 348 foot long, all good. So the Fijian government's arrested it on behalf of the United States, but it's costing the Fijian government $63,000 a week to keep it in the dock because they've got to cover the insurance and the maintenance of it. So it is a major pain in the butt for a lot of the governments. You know, you think, oh, you just get the boat and, yeah, $63,000. Did you say the Fijian government have done this on behalf of... The United States governments. Why would the United States government not Not, cover the cost? Well, that's a good question and we'd need to go to NATO or whatever else. But (laughs) look, that's probably in the... in this prob- the argument's probably happening now. Our farm has a thought on this one, oh. or maybe she knows. I have a question, Cabin Boy. Yep. So I heard this piece of news as well, and I heard that the US, that, that the yacht's going to go to the US, and they are going to impound it, and then they can sell it. But that's the problem. Who buys a $300 million yacht? Well, there's... People can do it, but my question is, what are they going to do with that money? And what mm, gives true. them the right to spend that? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty tricky, pretty tricky indeed. Well, another thing, we spoke about Dilbar, which is a $600 million yacht. I just found out that it costs $700,000 to fuel it up. $700,000 worth of, of diesel, obviously. That's the ridiculous thing about these boats is that they cost so, so much, much yeah. in terms of in terms of fossil fuels to run. Mm-hmm. They're huge. I mean, just running your average, you know, four and a half metre, you know. Tinny. Yeah, yeah tinny, tinny <laughs> effectively glorified tinny to go out fishing, you know, a bit further out. It costs a lot, you know, that costs relatively a lot of money. Mm. So these massive things, it's just disgusting, really. Mm-hmm. Driving in this morning with my son, I was trying to work out the percentage. I think it's 1% of the total cost of the boat to fill the petrol tank, which 
when you then take it to what it costs to fill your car and the percentage there, I think we worked out it was $600 to fill your car on a $60,000 car or something. So God. it's only a small percentage, but it's still $700,000. Mm. I'm not sure how far that gets them. How many barrels of oil is that? I know. It's <laughs> disgusting. So let's leave the Russians <laughs> and move into the Western uh, world because um, there's quite a few celebrity sailors around that you don't realise. We can go through all the royal families, of course, the British sail, and that's why we've got a lot of the royal yacht clubs. The uh, King of Norway, he was an Olympic sailor. The whole European um, royal families are rife with sailors, and I suppose that's where they get the um, the idea, everyone gets the idea that it's a rich man's sport. So, yeah, it's not. There's a lot of poor sailors out there. But there's quite a few um, celebrity sailors that you, um, I didn't realise, such as Neil Young. He, for more than 35 years, owned a 100-foot wooden schooner called um, Raglan. Oh, no, called, um, I forget what it's called. Oh, WN Raglan. So um, 35 years, Neil Young. And I think he shot a couple of his um, uh, movie clips on there too. Crosby's still in Nash. David Crosby owns a schooner called Mayan. And it's, uh, he be- and it's believed he wrote the song Wooden Ships. Well, actually living on board it. So that's a nice little tie-in, isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. We'll play that one next time you're in, Kevin Wooden Wood. Wooden ships. I don't know whether it's a great song, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it'll fit. Yeah. <laughs> Griff Rhys-Jones, the comedian. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he was quite big into wooden yachts too. Uh, he owned a fantastic uh, boat called Argyle. And he also shot the BBC series uh, Three Men in Another Boat on it too. And that kind of, they just cruised around the English coastline on, a, on, a, on his wooden yacht. Um, for the youngsters, Zac Efron. He's a big sailor. You mm. wouldn't think, yeah. He got bitten by the sailing bug in the movie Charlie St. Cloud. Haven't seen it. Uh, and he went on to take sailing lessons when he was in Vancouver. So... Uh, He's been living here for a while, hasn't he? Hasn't he been shooting films here? I think so, yeah. I'm pretty sure he has been. Is that going to ruin his pretty face, all that salt water and the UV and all that? He should be careful. Well, <laughs> good point. <laughs> a lot of moisturiser, I think, yes. <laughs> I think a lot of celebs are over here during um, the last two years yeah. because we're a safe place to shoot films. Yeah, yeah and sail right. too, so yes. Yeah, yeah that's, so what, that's what I was thinking. Mm. If he's living here, I wonder if he's been doing much sailing while he's been here. Anyway, that uh, movie Charlie St. Cloud uh, didn't go so well in okay. the, uh, for the critics, but he got sailing out of it, so that's a good thing. Do you know, does he have a boat? I don't think so. He's probably... Yeah, look, a lot of the millionaires have boats, but do they sail them? No, they have crews. So kind of these people actually sail their They're boats. actual sailors, yeah. A big surprise, Simon Le Bond. He was a oh. huge sailor. I know. Pretty boy. <gasps> There's a massive video clip of it. I can't, I'm trying to remember which one it is. Um, was it Rio where they yes. where they were out on the boat? That was yeah. his boat. His yeah. boat was called um, Drum. So, um, And he almost lost his life at sea on that boat. In the um, 1979 Fastnet race, which is kind of our equivalent to the uh, Sydney to Hobart, Keel fell off. Yeah, oh. and they, him and the crew got resp- rescued by helicopter. So imagine him, like, trying to get his hair right as the, you know, getting rescued and the cameras are on him. So, and I, yeah, it would have been a good soundtrack there. So, um, but that's it, that Fastnet, uh, 70 boats capsized and 19 died in it. So it was Ooh. quite a big yeah, quite a disaster there. Mm. So, uh, But we didn't lose Simon Le Bon, which was a good thing. Another surprise, Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Would you have picked him? Yeah, I kind of would have. Yeah? With his salty language or? Um, no, just I, I can picture him sailing. Yeah. Well, he was visiting a friend's. And, um, and narrating it. 
Yeah, yeah it would be good. That's right. I'm pulling in the jib now. <laughs> We're about to tack. Um, but, yeah, he got into sailing because he was with uh, some away on holidays with friends. They tried to book a horse riding lesson and there wasn't enough horses. So the guy said, just go down and grab a boat. So he went down with his friends, grabbed a boat, and now he actually owns a boat. And his quote was, I was not only smitten, I was hooked for life. So, uh he owns a 43-foot yacht that he keeps down at the Caribbean, so yes. And there's a nice little clip on Oprah um, where he explains to Oprah how he got into sailing. Oh, right. So, yeah, so you can look that up on, uh, I think it's YouTube. So, yeah, so there's quite a few. And, like, if you go back, the Kennedys, John F. Kennedy and all that, you know, all the Kennedys had huge yachts and all that. Errol Flynn, he was good, mainly, I think, to pick up chicks, Errol Flynn, I reckon. <laughs> I've tried. It doesn't work. <laughs> Yep. It's really hard there's, to do that. There's cheaper asleep. ways. Yeah. <laughs> this is from a ma- married guy for 25 years. So, yeah, maybe don't take my advice. <laughs> <laughs> so, there are quite a few, yeah, quite a few famous people that do sail and, uh, and, and sail them. You know, like James Packer's got a huge yacht. He doesn't do anything for that. So, so yeah. Nerodet, you are looking puzzled there. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, Kevin Boy. So, yes, as I'll, I'll keep a list of um, kind of celebrity sailors in case we ever meet them and we can talk about yeah, celebrity. Yeah, we'll get them in. Yeah, for sure. I want to see Morgan Freeman do a, uh, Morgan Freeman do a documentary on sailing. That'd be pretty good That'd and narrated, as you said. Yeah, yeah, I think he'd do a really classy job. Although I think he uses his boat to get away from all of that. So, oh. yeah. Because so, yeah. <laughs> he keeps it on the low. So, yeah. yeah. So, we've gone from Russian oligarchs to, um, yeah. Celebrity sailors. Fantastic. Thanks, Kevin Boy. That was great. Pleasure. Estamos escuchando Radio Marinada en tres triple R. Makes us smile every single time. (laughs) It really does. 929, yes, you are indeed on Radio Marinara. And uh, without further ado, we're going to cross down to the surf coast um, to speak with Katie Griffin. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, guys. How are you going? Yeah, look, it's been so long since we spoke with you. (laughs) It's been a big week. (laughs) So what's been happening with you this week? Um, So we've just been doing all the planning, getting the last-minute bits and pieces sorted. Um, So I'm just down at Jam Jack now and just setting up everything. So, yeah, we're super excited. So if you missed our program last week, we caught up with Katie to talk about the 3228 Beach Cleanup and After Party. And this is being put together by Katie's group, A Cleaner Coast. Um, so for people who are listening, Katie, and are maybe, you know, thinking of getting down there and getting involved today, what should, what, what's happening? Um, maybe tell us about the three beaches yeah. and, uh, and yeah. what people can do. Great. We, uh, well, we've got three locations that we're going to clean up today across the surf coast. Um, we're going to Bells Beach and Winky Pop around there in Janjuk, um, around the shops there in Janjuk Village, and then in Torquay North at um, the stormwater drains there. So we're going to have these three uh, cleanups happening simultaneously, and then we're going to meet afterwards at one o'clock at Bells Beach Brewing for a bit of an after party. We've got live music from Finnegan August. We've got wildlife exposure there, so they'll have like snakes and lizards and birds and things like that. We're going to have some local beers and some burgers and some prizes. So, yeah, that's the day. Are people starting to gather where you are down at Janjuk? Yeah, I think there's quite a few people around already. So, um, yeah, we're going to get out there and start giving out some bags and uh, they'll be picking up rubbish. 
Farm has a question for you. Over to you, Farm. Well, it's more of a comment, Katie. What I really love about this is that, you know, over the last decade or so, we've, we seem to have gone from, you know, doing a quick clean up, clean up uh, on your dog walk to having after parties. I'm yeah. loving this idea. Yeah, it's, that's, what, um, that's what we love about it as well. It's just a really great time to get together and just celebrate, you know, everyone that comes down and just have a bit of fun and um, kind of, showcase like how great our community is and you just get to hang out with people that you don't normally hang out with so um yeah we love doing it this way it just makes the day really really fun <laughs> awesome so if people want to get down there katie and they haven't registered yet is it okay for people to just turn up absolutely yep just turn up um there's still tickets available on eventbrite there are tickets that are free so um, you can just do that or you can just come and turn up and we'll sort you out when you get down here. Brilliant. Well, all the best for a fantastic day. Kicks off at 10, um, after party at 1. And, uh, yeah, good on yeah. you for everything that you're doing. And uh, we'll catch up with you again in, in a week or two and find out how it all went. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be great. Thanks so much. And can I just quickly shout out to my family? I forgot to say hi to them last weekend. <laughs> mum and Dad got cranky. <laughs> so hi, Mum and Dad. <laughs> On you, Katie's mum and dad. Brilliant. All right. <laughs> Have a fantastic day. We'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, bye-bye. All right, bye, guys. See ya. See bye ya. Now. <laughs> Katie Griffin there from a cleaner coast. And, yeah, look, just head down there, uh, Winky Pop and Bells Beach, uh, Janjuk Village and um, Torquay North. And uh, we have already put a, those details on our Facebook page. Uh, if you go to uh, our entry for last week's show, you'll see a very obvious sign to a cleaner coast. Just click on that and it'll take you through to everything that you need to know. Over to you, farm. Oh, I am so excited for this segment. Um, it's been a long time coming, but finally I got my wish of having Matt Testoni on to talk about the fantastic Sea Creatures podcast that he does. Uh, so Matt is an underwater photographer. He's a marine biologist, a scuba instructor, and also obviously the host of this Sea Creatures podcast. He shares his love for the ocean through different mediums in the hope that his audience will find the same passion as he has for our beautiful marine life. Matt's photography and podcast feature marine life from all over the globe, but it's mainly focused on Australia's temperate reefs, known collectively as the Great Southern Reef. Thank you for joining us on the show this morning, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> as I said, I was very excited to have you on because the Sea Creatures podcast is just such a gift. Um, so I'm hoping you could give us a bit of an intro. What's, what is your podcast about and what can people expect? Well, it's just about different sea creatures, as the name kind of says. And you can kind of expect a different guest talking about a different sea creature in every episode. And that's the great thing is you can tune in wherever you want. If you don't want to hear about whales, you can hear about nudibranchs. Like, it's, it's up to you. And there's a broad range of guests. And we just, yeah, talk about, usually in a positive way, um, how amazing sea creatures are. Yeah, and what I really like about it is that the guests that you have are some, from such a wide variety of backgrounds. So we had uh, you had uh, Scott Portelli on, who won the Australian Wildlife Photographer of the Year award with his photo of a wonderful leafy sea dragon. And you had Dr. Charlie Veron, the godfather of coral, which is quite exciting. <laughs> and also, you know, people, local people here, like P.T. Hirschfield, talking about spider crabs. And, you know, she's a recreational diver and a marine activist. So um, I was wondering, how do, you, how do you choose your guests? Because it's, it's quite a wide variety of, of people and sea creatures, for that matter. Yeah, well, I just like to represent everyone. And I think, you know, all too often, you know, people think, oh, marine biologists are like, you know, the 
the main person. But like, I, I you know, I, I mean, I'm a marine biologist, and I see people that do citizen science and spend time diving, knowing way more. So I just want to capture the whole community and everyone from Charlie Baron, which if you listen to that podcast, you can actually hear it's the only one where I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> um, Were you a bit starstruck, all the way, All the way through to like PT and stuff who are just, just awesome people and locals. Matt, I was just wondering how you go about, do, do you have a list of people who you want to talk to? Usually I like make a list with screenshots on my phone. So I'll see an ABC article about a cool you know, beach cleanup person, or I'll see an Instagram post, like someone like Scott Portelli with a leafy sea dragon, like, yeah, that is, that's a cool guest. Yeah, what I really like about this, and and, and it's, it's also a radio thing, I think, is that, you know, when you're doing projects like this, you actually get to talk to so many cool people and they never say no to a coffee. <laughs> right? <laughs> if, you, if you're like, oh, I want to talk to Dr. Charlie Veron, and then you say like, oh, it's for a podcast. Um, these people always say yes. And it's so great because you get to chat to them and, and share their wonderful knowledge with the world. Um, so, Matt, I was wondering, what is what is your favorite sea creature? Because I know you've got plenty of episodes of people talking about theirs. Oh, I, th- I think at the moment, handfish, and I've done an episode on handfish, but handfish are one of my favorite animals at the moment. I'm on a quest to find some of the species that haven't been seen in a few decades. Oh, there are still some that have are not discovered or, or just not seen in Tasmania. Just, just not seen. Mm. Matt, can you tell us for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the handfish, uh, why the handfish are so special, particularly for you living in Tasmania? Well, I mean, in, in Tasmania in particular, in Hobart, the spotted handfish, which is the mount, one we've most studied, is only found in the river around Hobart, which is pretty pretty amazing. And they're just these awesome creatures that walk on like four, I guess you call hands, and they've just got so much attitude and personality. <laughs> yeah, so it's and, their, their pectoral yeah. fins and their pelvic fins have evolved into being hand-like. So they've effectively yeah, become yeah. quadrupeds. Yeah. Sorry, also, Jack. the fins are actually the 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 fins. It's not like something like an axolotl or that can you know is in the water and then comes out if it well, has to be. Yeah, because axolotls are amphibians. Amphibians, yeah. yeah. Whereas these are actually fish. Fish. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be a footfish? <laughs> because they're always hands. You have you have oh, your flippers. Okay. <laughs> you have your flippers. They're hands. Yeah, good point, though. <laughs> good point. <laughs> I actually like the logic behind that, Brett. Well, 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 I'm thinking you're walking on your hands. You it's like it's yeah. a footfish. Because, yeah, well, that because they've got four probably oh. and it's like us. It, we're anthropomorphising them yeah, probably true. slightly because we stand on our feet. But yeah. when we're on fours, we're on hands and feet. Is, is it also because the pectoral hands, for want of a better word, the pectoral limbs are the ones doing most of the work and so they're at the front of the body which we associate with hands? Is that why, do you think? I love how we're making it up. This is going completely <laughs> off track. <laughs> Tell us about handfish, Matt. Or, or what about your second favourite secret <laughs> Are your podcasts a lot more organised than this? I'm guessing they probably are. Um, sorry, I've, I've, we've to- yes, you're right. We've totally diverted. Tell, can you tell? So we've got these handfish. They're in limited populations. Um, there've been some really interesting discoveries of, of discrete populations over the last couple of years, and, and marine ecologists get super excited because these these little you know these creatures are, are critically endangered, and any kind of discovery of a new population is is highly significant. 
Yeah, and you do spend a lot of time there, don't you, Matt? Because uh, you're also an underwater photographer, and I, I regularly see wonderful photos come across my social media feeds. Um, and, and, and that said, you're photographing a lot to promote the Great Southern Reef. Is that correct? You're a bit of an activist in that space. Yeah, so the Great Southern Reef is one of like my biggest passions. And you'll see like throughout the podcast, there are like episodes. I mean, the most recent one is about polar bears, which is definitely not Great Southern Reef. <laughs> but throughout like the podcast, it focuses a lot on the animals we find on the Great Southern Reef, which if people don't know what it is, is the kind of interconnected network of seaweed reefs and seagrass meadows that go all the way from past Sydney, all the way around the bottom to Perth and above and has some amazing sea creatures. Yeah, and, and there's been a lot of media coming out around this, right? Because because it's kind of a... You guys are really trying to promote this as as an ecosystem of note that people should be knowing about. What's the, what's the intention there for you? Well, I think we just love to see it in a similar way to the Great Barrier Reef. So everyone knows the Great Barrier Reef. They travel to it. It's a marine park. It gets a lot of funding. It gets a lot of notoriety and the great southern reef is exactly the same but with seaweed and it's actually got way more native species way more endemic species and it's just as special and it's home to 70 percent of australia's population yet no one really knows about it yeah yeah that's right and and that's the thing right if people don't know about it then how can they choose to protect it in a better way so yeah, that activism is, is is quite important. Hey, um, I'm also wondering what's what's next for your podcast because you've done a, a whole bunch of episodes and you're, you're you're going strong with it. It's got traction and uh, you've got. I, I did have a little bit sneak peek at Spotify and you've got really good uptake of the podcast. So where do you think this is going? Like, where do you want to take it? Oh, that's a that's a big question. I guess I guess I just like to continue. I mean, I hope it goes into the hundreds of episodes. And it really starts to be something that, like, just gets people knowing about all the amazing marine life and everyone from marine biologists to just divers, like just an accessible database, you know, so you don't have to look things up on Wikipedia. You just listen to the podcast. Yeah, that's right. And I think one of my favorite ones is the one about mantis shrimp. Um, because I discovered through the podcast that we actually have mantis shrimp in Port Phillip Bay, which I did not know. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing. I mean, I discovered that not too long before the podcast too. A friend of mine was like, yeah, let's go see some mantis shrimp. And I was like, in Indonesia. And he was like, no, nah, just just off Blegari Pier. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Yes, indeed. Yeah, and I had no idea until, until I listened to the podcast. So there's just so much to discover. Uh, where can people find it? It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, on my website, uh, through Instagram. Anywhere there's podcasts, you'll find sea creatures. Just look for sea creatures with one word and a nice little black and white turtle logo. Wonderful. Well, I'll make sure to uh, put a link on our Facebook page to your website so people can not only uh, find the podcast but also see some of your amazing photos of the Great Southern Reef and hopefully really learn to appreciate that part of the world because you're really right. It's, it's very special. Thanks. All right, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, that was Matt Testoni and get the Sea Creatures podcast on your phone, on your Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and, and have a listen. It is really lovely, very inspiring to hear all these marine nerds talk about their favorite marine creature. Thank you, Matt. And uh, yeah, let's catch up again soon. Thanks. See ya. 
been speaking with Matt Testoni there and uh, Sea Creatures podcast. You can actually access it via our Facebook page. If you have a look to uh, the piece that we put to promote what we were doing today, uh, it, it's it's quite obvious. You'll see the, um, the, the icon, the logo. Click on that and then there's a link through there so you can go and have a listen to it. Fantastic stuff. Hi, this is Wayne Lynch and you're listening to Radio Marinara on 3RRR. You are indeed where the time is 9.51 and we now welcome into the studio Jeff Maynard. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Brian. I'm a little flustered. Sorry. Um, it's your fault. You uh, <laughs> you sent me a text too early. You were a day early. You normally send me a text on Friday and say, you're coming in to do the show. And I say, yes, and I tell you what I'm going to do. And you did it on Thursday. So when you sent me the text, I went, oh, we'll think of something. And I was going to do my James Bond movie, Pierce Brosnan in Die Another Day, and link it up to Sir Edmund Halley, who was in the late 17th century building diving bells and sending air down to them in bar- barrels. And I thought, that, that's a great link because um, uh, a die another day has uh, Halle Berry as the <laughs> Bond girl. And I thought, ob- <laughs> the, t- the two would obviously be related, you know. <laughs> and then when I started doing my research, I found out uh, two, two really alarming facts. One, Sir Edmund Halley wasn't the first person to send air down in barrels to a uh, diving bell, and uh, actually Halle Berry and Sir Edmund uh, weren't actually related. <laughs> so, so I had to come up with something else, and I've done it really quickly, and it was, it was sort of on the wing, as it were, in between voting yesterday, and I'm going to start looking at, uh, rather than history of diving, a little bit of a history of oceanography uh, and going back, because what happened was... Um, uh, beginning of the 17th century, people started to study things um, uh, scientifically, for lack of a better word. And by the mid uh, 16, oh, well, by the 1650s and things, people were starting to meet in groups and uh, discuss, uh, yeah, observe things, and, and uh, look at the the earth and the universe and the oceans and all that sort of stuff. And uh, after the the British had um, finished fighting their civil war and stuck Charles II back on or onto the throne after Oliver Cromwell died, uh, they formed the Royal Society. And one of the first things, the Royal Society, which was formed about 1661, I think it was, one of the first things they actually did was buy a diving bell and chucked it in the water. And um, there was a remarkable fellow called Robert Hooke and another one called Robert Boyle. Um, Robert Hooke had a, uh, a brilliant mind and no money and uh, Robert Boyle had an average mind and lots of money. <laughs> and the two of them would work together trying to uh, examine scientifically the properties of air and the properties of water and all that sort of stuff. And um, my, my thing was, to, well, how do I link this back to a James Bond movie? And I went for um, uh, Roger Moore in um, uh, oh, The Spy Who Loved Me, that's it. And uh, there's a bad guy called Stromberg running around who's building an underwater city. They're going to take over the world from under the water. And um, Roger Moore has, or James Bond, has to pose as a marine biologist and get to Stromberg's lair. And so he poses as a marine biologist and Stromberg is awake up to him and he sends a voluptuous woman to pick up Roger Moore in the boat and bring him out. And um, uh, while the voluptuous lady is getting Roger Moore, um, uh, Stromberg's watching on his little TV set or whatever it's sort of saying. So let's have a listen to the first track where uh, Roger Moore sort of introduces, or James Bond introduces himself as a marine biologist. I'm Naomi. Mr. Stromberg sent me to collect you. How do you do? You are on holiday here? Well, there's an ocean. A marine biologist is never on holiday. 
Can we uh, <laughs> offer you a drink before we go? No, thank you. Mr. Stromberg's a very busy man. His time is precious. Bye, Mr. Bond. There's some truth to that, because marine biologist is never on holiday. No, isn't that a great quote? I thought you'd like that one. Yeah. Where there's an ocean, a marine biologist is never Back on holiday. A marine biologist. I'm going to put that in my email seg- signature. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> great idea, Fab. Anyway, back to the 16, uh, 1670s, and uh, Robert Boyle and um, uh, Robert Hooke started working out, uh, they worked out that air was springy. They started uh, figuring out that it had a weight, and they started making vacuums and sticking animals in there and taking all the air out and watching them expire and all that sort of stuff, and that was sort of a novelty. And then they, they'd compress the air as well and see what would happen, uh, and, and they did for a while. And then um, Isaac Newton came along and worked out his theory of gravity and said, well, the moon must have gravity on the earth and as it spins around, we have the tides and all that sort of stuff. Um, So this was really the beginning of oceanography as a a science, if you like. Um, And then uh, an Italian count, Louis Ferdinand Marsigli, actually went out with fishermen in the Mediterranean and started scooping up species and and, and cataloguing them and produced a book beautiful book on the physical geography of the sea in 1720-something. Anyway, let's have a listen to track number two because that's the more important part. And uh, James Bond's doing something, talking to Stromberg about underwater cities or something. Why do we seek to conquer space when seven-tenths of our universe remains to be explored? The world beneath the sea. Don't you miss the outside world? For me, this is all the world. I think you will find this interesting. An underwater city. Fascinating, isn't it? The only hope for the future of mankind. We all have our dreams. No dream, soon a reality. Um, By the beginning of the 19th century, people... Robert Hooke, the other thing he did besides um, asphyxiate sort of rodents, uh, (laughs) was he invented a thing called the Hooke Sounder. And uh, it was basically a lead weight with a little bit of wood on it, and it would drop down. And when when the weight hit the ground, it would release the piece of wood. And so they would uh, drop over the side of a ship and time it. And so uh, when when the the weight hit the the seabed, the wood would be released, float to the surface. They would time it. And, uh, of course, the longer the time it took to come back, the deeper the ocean. And they gave these two ship's captains sailing all around the world, and that, it was how they began to um, start to measure the depths of the ocean because uh, Boyle and Hook were um, uh, writing that, you know, they, they didn't know, they were, they were speculating that as at the bottom of the ocean the water would be frozen or, you know, they couldn't figure out why the further you got from land was the ocean deeper. And they said, well, that would be natural, but then how would you have mid-Atlantic o- uh, islands and things mm. like that? So... It was really the work of Robert Hooke and his sounder that um, uh, started to map the oceans. Anyway, let's have a listen to James Bond number three and see how much more time I've got. (laughs) James Bond, you have certainly been persistent. Very well. Now your curiosity can be satisfied. Within minutes, New York and Moscow will cease to exist. Global destruction will follow. The new era will begin. I intend to change the face of history by creating a world. 
the new and beautiful world beneath the sea. Today, civilization, as we know it, is corrupt and decadent. Inevitably, it will destroy itself. I'm merely accelerating the process. So yeah, that's yeah, that's it's, I mean, very you know, he's got it. He nailed it. Um, uh, yeah, look. Anyway, uh, really, it, it, by the mid nineteenth century, it began to uh, verge off because people were talking about you know, are there species below a certain depth? Life can't live there. Um, and there was a, 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 a big debate between basically people with a religious background and scientists saying, you know, life can live. Uh, and, and then when um, it, it went off in a whole new direction after uh, Darwin published Origin of the Species, I'll do that some other time. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. <laughs> actually, I got the right movie to do Origin of the Species. That would be the, um, another, um, another Roger Moore, uh, Octopussy. Can we do that next time? Yes. Brilliant. Fantastic. End of Radio Marinara for today. Thank you, Jeff, so much to Matt Testoni, Katie Griffin, and to you, Cabin Boy. Thank you. Thank you, Farm. Enjoy your week. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.